Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Get on down here, Silver 7's on VGK uh, Thursday, 77 cent beers, 77 cent beers, Bud Light Bottle, 77 cents. Uh, we've had some listeners stop by, actually a guy who's just new to town, Corey, said he uh, always listened to sports radio in Boston, just moved to town. He was chatting us up a little while ago, so the fans will be down here. This is a great spot at two different bars, Corner Cantina and the Silver and Gold Bar. Great spots to watch. Vegas Golden Knights hockey tonight, game three against the Wild right now. The Golden Knights, 170. Check that. I want to double-check that. I want to double-check that. Let's get to the three. It's time for the three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. John giving out bad numbers. I, I gave out a bad number yesterday because I was half listening to Adam Hill, who was trying to bet me on no hitters the rest of the way in the Major League Baseball season because we had five because we had one the other day after uh, something calling itself Spencer Turnbull uh, threw a no hitter and then the Yankees get a no hitter from Corey Kluber. But Adam Hill was saying he thought there'd only be he would set the number rest of the season at just one and a half. That was before Kluber. Before Kluber. And I was like, nah, I think, there's, I think they're going to, like, double it. Like, I wasn't listening to what the offer was on the bet. Oh, you should have taken that. Well, I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't paying attention yeah. to what he was saying. I'm like, nah, I, think, I actually think there's going to be, like, double. Yeah. Which means, yes, I accept your bet. But, yeah. of course, in the world of Adam Hill, that's not a yes. You didn't say yes. <laughs> skin didn't meet skin. Well, the skin's never beating skin again. And, by the way, let me give the right, right number. I was uh, giving you the series number on the Golden Knights in Minnesota tonight. It's uh, pretty much even up. 110 both ways. Uh, total of five and a half with a lean on the under at William Hill at minus 130. Yeah, so Corey Kluber, who's had a couple of good outings, but, you know, still is not the guy he used to be. But he's rounding into form. But that kind of form, no hitter. Yeah. This is craziness. It really is. And I don't want to come in every time there's a no hitter. There's been six of them. And with, like, no hitters, three, four, five, and six, I've been like, seriously? <laughs> like, this used to be a celebrated event. And now we're like, it's, what, it's one of the ills of baseball. What's going on here? Are people defending this? Have you seen anyone? No, I haven't seen anybody. The, the suppression of runs and, you know, like as I was saying yesterday, the, uh, the smushing of the baseball. But, no, I haven't seen anybody defend it. And, in fact, I love every second of this. And I think I have a new mission in life where it's just going to be crap on baseball this entire time. Because what's my biggest thing, right? I hate, like, when people, tell, like, when people find out I enjoy the NBA, I automatically have to defend it, like, tooth and nail every single time because it's unwatchable nowadays. Steve? Baseball's unwatchable. What happened to the good old days, huh? What happened to small ball? What happened to getting on and advancing dudes with the bunt, huh? What happened? What happened to stealing bases? All this garbage. Now it's just strikeouts or home runs. It's terrible. It's actually, this is what happened now. Like, all I'm seeing are just complaints about the game today, and it makes, it makes me so What did happy. you want? <laughs> right? You were bitching about the home runs, so right. they, they fixed it for you. They overfixed it, and now you're like, this sucks too. Right. Like, they're just, they're never happy. Like, just they. Like, the collective they. They're never happy. There's always going to be people that complain. But, like, I also, like, there is something that needs to be done in terms of, I don't know if it's moving the mound back or, you know, whatever it is. Nothing needs to be done. Put the baseball, make the baseball the way you were making the baseball. Right. Like, but, like, a game And then, like and then the game will adjust. Everyone, you know, at some point, if averages continue to be super low, teams and hitters are going to adjust. Everyone won't be, you know, well, a lot of guys won't be going with the launch angle. A lot more balls will be put in play. I don't think there'll be stolen bases because, in the end, analytics will tell you stolen bases are stupid. It's a waste. But the game can correct itself. But you, if you change the equipment massively, right. then there's no way to adjust quickly to that. And we, we can – I mean, Clayton Kershaw, a pitcher, came out and said, 
you know, no hitters are cool, and I have all respect in the world for Corey Kluber and Bum and all the guys that have thrown no hitters. Turnbull, come on. No, Bum. No, bum, I'm saying bum, say, bum, say bum uh, he, he has no respect for Turnbull. He's like, who? <laughs> say his name. He says, and all those guys throw no hitters, but to have one every night seems like it's probably not good for the game. Fans want to see some hits. That's Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. He should celebrate this. I know, right? You should but be. But even he's it. like, this is kind of dumb. Nah. Let's go. I also say, too, I mean, I didn't watch the entire game. Watching some of Kluber, like, the guy was kind of on yesterday. Like, it was all, like, bottom of the zone, no, like, a whole bunch of – like, he looked pretty comfortable. When you see Corey Kluber throw no hitter, you're like, okay, he's he's always had no hit stuff. Right. Spencer Turnbull, <laughs> Wade Miley. Like, Miley's a decent strikeout pitcher, but come on. Some of the guys who throw no hitters. Was it Radon earlier in the year? Well, I mean, he, he's got he's got stuff. I mean, um, he's got stuff. I don't know if he's got no hitter stuff. <laughs> I know. It's, it's gotten crazy. Um it's not really calming down around Tony Larusa. It's not, and I'm I I love it. Did you see Cece Sabathia? I love it. And by the way, really, you had a line. It was very quick when we were talking with Xavier earlier, where you're like, "I don't really, we don't want to see Majors. I do. Let's uh, go. Let's go. I I really I don't because I thought I thought we got a little out of control yesterday, and I was like suggesting the team revolts or fans revolt and he gets fired. They are in first place. I think a lot of the, a lot of the stuff coming at Larusa, and I, I've never really liked Larusa. He's an arrogant guy. He's a winner. There might be some jealousy there. It's the way he operates. He's always been a you know puff the chest out. I'm 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 a genius. I'm smarter than you. And now that he's not as smart, and he's doing the unwritten rule stuff, I think people are like, all right, now we're gonna get him. So I, I think it's been a little rough on him. Uh, CC Sabathia went way worse than we did. He he said he shouldn't be effing managing that team. If you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the effing manager of the White Sox? Right. And at the most basic level, I mean, he is right. We had a good conversation last night with Soren Petro, who's a big baseball guy out of Kansas City. And, you know, Soren was pointing out that there, this could be, you know, part of the method to the madness of Tony Larusa. He said, like, you don't think there were times that the A's and the Cardinals hated him? I just I don't remember him throwing one of his own guys under the bus. To get the, you know, to get distrust. Right. Like, it's almost like, hey, we're going to, we are going to show this guy by winning. Like, it actually benefits him, so why would you do that? I think Soren's giving him a little too much credit. <laughs> well, I, I think he wanted to go contrarian, and he, and he and he did listen to an entire day of people just, un, just crushing Tony LaRusso. So, my thing, like, at the end of the day, though, age aside, we talked about this last year when it came to Tatis, Jace Tingler, all this stuff. At the end of the day, regardless of your age, you should have your players' backs, right? And so when – and then even if your initial thought is to not have their back, when guys like Tim Anderson are coming out clearly in support of their teammates, you don't then just kind of double down on those things. Right. Like to me that's, for lack of a better term, stubborn old man like screaming at the cloud type stuff, and that makes no sense. Regardless of how I feel personally, I just wouldn't manage a team like that. It's the first way you lose a clubhouse, and we have seen what happens when you lose clubhouse and when you lose teams and when your message falls short. We've seen good teams fall apart like that, and this is a good team potentially in danger of falling apart because of something like that. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Here's Marcheseau, scores! Off the right, posted in! Jonathan Marcheseau answers right back. Set up by Smith on the right wing. 
Marcia rips it home from the right circle. And the first goal of the night's 2021 postseason goes to Jonathan Marcia Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. 77 cent beers tonight, John. On the corner of Flamingo and Paradise. Love the spot, legendary spot. Silver Sevens. Let's get out to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, Chris Matthews, 8 News Now. Also legendary. We're not going to say he's old. Uh, Chris is with Cofield and Company. Chris, how you doing? How you doing, guy? Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, well, we're good, man. It's great. The weather is absolutely gorgeous right now. It rained really hard last night, but here outside the uh, XL Energy Center, it's real nice right now. So tell us about that arena. You know what? From the outside, it looks like nothing. It really looks dull and drab. It really. Last night, I was thinking, wow, it's crazy. This place doesn't look very uh, interesting. There's no really markings. There's no. There's just nothing about it. But then you walk inside, and it's really cool because it's kind of like old school uh, Hoosiers type of uh, setup on the inside. You got a lot of old jerseys up on the walls. The uh, concession stands have kind of like a uh, like roofings, like if you're going into a lodge or something. Um, but, yeah, so it looks really neat. In, and then inside, uh, it, it must seat around 18,000 because they're, they're going to they get 25% capacity. The, the city locals have said, go ahead, city health people. We'll have about 4,500 tonight, but it must seat around 18 or close to if they're, if they're getting 25 and they're allowing 45. So it's, but it looks nice, and you're right on top of, uh, of the ice also. You're looking down. If you're on the very top, it's not like you're a long ways away from the ice because it's so high. So it, 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 inside looks really neat. Outside, nothing to it. Definitely a hockey arena. Because <laughs> uh, Matthews on the road in Minneapolis. What's wrong? It just, it's it, like the way he was describing outside, Chris, it just sounds like you're in Minneapolis. <laughs> just boring and nothing interesting. <laughs> like the, the arena really got you fired up. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Actually, Minneapolis is a very underrated town. It actually is a cool town. Uh, you say that about every town. They're no, it actually, it actually is. It's I, I've I've been there on multiple occasions. There there is a good you know bar and restaurant scene there, and there's a I don't I'm not a club guy, but there's they've got they've got a lot of history from a music standpoint. This week it's terrible. It's not right, Winnipeg. I've I've heard Winnipeg's a freaking disaster. What's well, yeah, that's from Adam. Well, I, hey, and we did go over to the uh, we had a little bit of time. We had about an hour and a half. So hey, let's go to the Mall of America, well, the largest mall in the world, I guess, certainly yeah. in the United States, where where this uh, amusement park is built on the inside covered and domed and on the outside they got four or five big uh, anchor stores and a ton ton of just regular shops and stores and restaurants and laser tag and bowling and i mean all that you can think of it's crazy so did you like that uh no i'm not a shopping guy so i didn't really like it <laughs> like i thought we left malls like in the rearview mirror like 10 years ago come on uh, all right well let's talk about what happened what happened this morning is everyone's eyes were on uh, practice and the who's you know who's on there who's skating off the ice first. So I guess first of all, some injury updates. What's going on with uh, Pacioretty? What's going on with Nosek? Yeah, I think we're all we're all waiting. We were there when they came out on the ice, looking to see. And you know they had their 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 uh, their jerseys. They didn't have their jerseys on, so they had it was all white or gray, whatever. So you look, you're looking at under the helmet. Hey, is Pacioretty? No, I don't see him. Hey, what about Nosek? Is he? No, I don't see him. And then afterwards. Uh, uh, Peter DeBoer was saying that it's a game time decision. I doubt they'll. I doubt they'll be playing tonight. Corey um, was out there looking sharp. Uh, I think they're all fired up. It'll be interesting to see how how the game unfolds when you look at uh, you know the history up here. But uh, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It really will be. And Flurry will be the guy for the third straight game. 
Well, that's what they're saying, yeah. yeah. You can't go away from Marc-Andre Fleury with what he's done. He's been the best player on the ice between these two teams, so you yeah. can't take him off the ice. He's been phenomenal. In fact, I was thinking you could go back to 2017 when everybody was talking about Vesna at all. He's, he's, he's now in that vein right now. He's playing so well. He's hot, giving up a couple of goals. And you look at those. It could have been a you know, two shutouts, really, when you think about how well he has played. On the, the injury information, Adam Hill laughs about it all the time, and Adam's on the beat. You've covered a lot of sports for a long time. And, and we're also, you know, now everyone's embracing gambling. Do you find the Knights a little bit weird, or is that kind of the NHL in terms of the secrecy with the injuries? I think it's the NHL, isn't it? We have all these other sports that we cover, and never has it been so secretive. Um, upper body, lower body, you know, the speculation with Pacioretty, you know, it probably is back, but they don't say um, undisclosed. You don't, get any, you don't get any information from NHL teams. It just seems... Like it is a league-wide thing where you can you from the NBA you get he he broke uh, you know a metatarsal whatever they you know hurt his knee in football baseball he's kind of tweaked back but you hear all these things but in the NHL it's so odd and crazy no one likes it. Uh, Do we get an update on what happened with those false positives? Yeah, so they had nine players um, and and, you know the board actually anybody who was on this call or you might hear some sound from him later whatever on any of the other stations but you can actually kind of sense that they were a bit concerned which they should have been, but with all these false negatives, you can almost go back now and say, well, you know what, over the course of this entire league, how many false negatives yep. were there? I mean, did Vancouver, did they miss all those games? Hey, what about all those false negatives? Perhaps it could have been in that organization or franchise. It just kind of, this whole thing is so odd that, that you, I mean, because immediately you'd, you'd stuff these guys in the bag and say, hey, you can't play. Well, wait a second. Let's go back and look at it once again, because this team and this team and this team all have the same company that tested these guys and they were all positive. Wait, oh, guess what? It was false positive. I just kind of it makes you it, it really makes you wonder how many over the course of the season could have actually been false negative tests. So, Chris, I'm curious, just from like a, a mentality standpoint, what do you get from from the team overall? Because I made the joke after they lost game one that it seemed like they were down three nothing in the series. But if you look at statistically what they did in game one, and then the way they won in game two, you got to think that the spirits are pretty high overall. That's what I was thinking. Even on the ice today, you kind of see the guys bouncing around, a little bit loose, excited, got back into the series, winning that game, too. And both these games have been phenomenal when you think just five goals given up over, over the course of the entire game, and, or, or two games, I should say. And So you get, you get a sense that these guys, and they are, I mean, they're all professionals and veterans and guys who have been around the league, a couple of captains, you know, although Pacioretty's probably not going to play, but you got Stone. you got all these guys that have been through the wars, Marc-Andre Fleury and that. You've got to feel comfortable going into this, uh, this series. Well, when you think about it, the last two games in early May up here, um, the first one I think was a 6-5 final with the Wild winning. So you got 11 goals between the two teams. And the second, the uh, Golden Knights won. Uh, what was it? 3-2, uh, to two, I believe, in overtime. So, I mean, it's one of, I, I think us in the media make a big deal of, hey, coming up here to the uh, House of Horrors or the – you know, the, uh, the the dome of doom or whatever. But, I, you know, I think they have the confidence. They're, they're professionals. They've been around this league for a while. And when you look back and you got Flurry in net, I mean, that's that's enough confidence, right, to say, hey, we can win this game. So I I fully expect that to come out and play well. I don't know who's going to win, but I think it'll be a real good game again. He's in St. Paul, 8 News Now, uh, sports boss, Chris Matthews, up with uh, Cofield and Company. i, I got to get your take on a couple of non-hockey topics. First of all, I saw you retweeted the note that the MLS had lost a ton of money last year i don't believe they lost that much but maybe they missed out on that much but uh, i i always thought the mls was really interesting when we were starting to get the pitches here in vegas it seems like one of those leagues that i mean i guess 
I guess if someone else is paying for the stadium, then that's fine. I don't know if I want to give away land. But what's your thought on the MLS and, you know, the future? Maybe that's another one of the major league sports that could land here in Vegas. You know, I wanted to call uh, Brett Lashbrook. He's such a connected guy in Las Vegas with hockey. Just kind of see what his thoughts were on Vegas. Because now you see the uh, Real Salt Lake, which has become a real successful franchise. That is up for sale. Who's going to buy that? Who knows? And, you know, you look at the... Uh, the, the money people behind the franchise in Sacramento, the money guy pulling out, that kind of has a little. That kind of makes you worry a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Las Vegas with MLS would it work? I don't think so, but perhaps. I still remember talking to my buddies up in Salt Lake when they first got Real. Nobody was covering those guys. It was I, uh, you know, it's soccer. It's the old, you know, the old that is soccer, you know, whatever. But then as it, as it started to win, as, it, as years rolled by. Then it became a big deal, and people were talking about it, and the fans were going and so forth. I don't know if that would happen in Salt Lake without a dome soccer field because it gets so hot. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just don't think Las Vegas is the MLS city. Although, here's what's interesting. Bill Foley, a long time ago, what was it, two years yeah. ago, yeah, was yeah, interested yeah. in MLS. Then he backed out and said, no, I'm not really interested anymore. Well, just at the, uh, at the Dollar Loan Center uh, unveiling of his new indoor football franchise, he was asked again, well, because he wants to bring another franchise to Las Vegas. What do you think of soccer? And he kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe soccer. So, maybe <laughs> if enough – I mean, he's got the money to do whatever he wants, right? right, as many times as he wants. So maybe someone talked him into looking at MLS once again, but I just don't see it working. How about Foley for Major League Baseball? I'm guessing you're going to say no. I've, I've seen some of your comments on baseball. You think we're just being played here? Oakland is just using us as a pawn? I think so. When you look back at the history of what's kind of gone on with that whole – you know, a feud between the Raiders and the A's and moving out. It's almost like it's backfired on the A's when you think about it. They signed that big 10-year lease. Now the city and all the county players say, hey, you know, we still kind of want to look at this uh, waterfront uh, ballpark because you're going to displace a lot of people who work there on the ports, a lot of these union jobs. People are not, are not very happy. So the city and the county go back, hey, let's kind of look at this thing again because, hey, these are the people, these unions are the people that elect us and put us in office. We've got to kind of maybe take a look. Well, the A say, hey, we don't have time to take. We need the money now. We want to get this thing going. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe there's some things that are a little bit more valuable than, than your water park, waterfront uh, stadium right now. So I think it's just a big ploy to see what they can do. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that Cobble, the uh, president of the A's, uh, leaked the story to the newspaper locally there, and he's trying to drum up some interest and support because a lot of people in town – People you know, people I know, a lot of people that we all know really had no meeting set up with this guy. And suddenly mm. the mayor today says, oh, yeah, next Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday I'm meeting with the guy. I think they were going to come to town anyway just to talk to the uh, A's people and, or the Aviators people and watch their AAA club. They're going to be in town anyway. Let's move in, drum up some support and say we're really interested in Las Vegas. I just think it's all leverage, Floyd. I love it. Strong stuff. Uh, enjoy your stay in Minneapolis. We appreciate a couple minutes, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Have a good day. There he is, Chris Matthews, 8 News Now. All right. We're going to get to the story that was in the paper today. Chris, Chris is suggesting that uh, maybe the A's just reached out and said, hey, let's get a little local publicity by having this story in the RJ about how Aviator Stadium could serve as a temporary home for the A's, and they could actually make more money off of ticket sales. We'll do the math on that one. That was interesting. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Back here on a Thursday, Silver 7s is the spot. We get a chance every week to check in with a former running rebel, 
Curtis Terry. And before we get into anything involving the Lakers game last night, because that was a great game, i uh, got to ask you about what's going on with your new podcast, Uncommon Terry. Uh, I saw the, uh, the tweet out, and it looked like you had a special guest coming out of the gates. Uh, yeah, thank you, Steve, for asking. I mean, I just launched my podcast. It's been a long time coming, uh, but Uncommon Terry is the podcast, um, as well as the Twitter handle, the Instagram handle, facebook.com backslash uncommentary. Uh, every social outlet you can find Uncommentary there. Uh, first guest for my podcast, though, was my uh, my childhood friend growing up, I'm Mr. Isaiah Thomas. Uh, NBA player, little guy who was in the league this year trying to get back to the league um, and kind of that perch he was on I mean, five years ago now when he finished fifth in MVP voting in the NBA. Uh, so I was blessed to have Isaiah as my first guest. Um, dropped that episode yesterday, dropped another episode this morning uh, with Kaiza Kiernan, better known as, as Kaiza Fit, a former University of Washington track athlete uh, who is now a movement coach and big in, in health and fitness and trying to get people just moving, whether it's walking, exercising, um, but trying to work on people's health. Um, so I have a, a really good, interesting podcast with her. Uh, hopefully people will check out uh, not just basketball, but just focused on um, equality, women in sports, um, giving back to your community. Uh, she also trained an NBA champion. Uh, so that's worth checking out. Um, but she's doing a lot of good stuff in the fitness space uh, and more guests to continue to come. Good, good. Check it out. Uncommon Terry. Uh, one thing from the Isaiah Thomas conversation, I don't know, even know if you got into this, but it, his his career is fascinating because if not for an injury, he's one of those guys who is due for like one of these giant super contracts in the NBA in excess of $150, $200 million. So I just wonder how he kind of feels about that. Because in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, he, like he's had a really good career, but uh, a bit unfulfilled on the back end with the money that should have been coming his way. Yeah, we didn't dive into that specifically on the podcast, uh, but we did talk about how he he made his mark as the 60th pick, Mr. Irrelevant of the 2011 draft yeah. and, and kind of scratched and clawed his way to stick in the NBA. Obviously, had a coming out party with the Celtics um, and what they did taking that group to a number one seed in the East to the Eastern Conference Finals. He ultimately got hurt, and that was the year he finished fifth in the MVP voting. Uh, and going into that season, he, he made a comment at Summer League here in Vegas um, at the Cox Pavilion about how they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck. Um, in terms of that big contract that he was expecting to get. Obviously, it didn't work out to where he, he was able to, to secure that contract. Uh, but the kid, he's resilient. The one thing I've learned about this kid, he's always been betted on or betted against his whole life just because of his size and his stature. Um, and he continues to, to knock down every block and every wall that's in his path. Uh, and so it hasn't gone smoothly after that, but he's now 100% healthy. I expect him to get on a roster uh, this coming season for the full season after being able to have a summer to work out and show teams and go through a training camp. Um, and so I know IT will keep climbing that mountain back to the top. Uh, and if they don't back up the Brinks truck, Hopefully they at least <laughs> they bring something his way, at least a duffel bag or something, because the right. kid definitely earned it and deserves it. Well, you mentioned bet against. And, you know, last night with about two minutes left, I think I would have bet against the Lakers pulling that game out against the Warriors. Uh, LeBron saying he had blurred vision. He got popped in the eye by Draymond Green. What a freaking shot, man. 30 feet from the basket. Fall away. What a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it goes to the, to, the, to the folklore of LeBron James and his legacy, what he's building. Uh, now, obviously, when he gets poked in the eye, he's, he can be a little dramatic. He kind of hams it up for the cameras and for the, the NBA fans at times. Uh, me and my wife are sitting there like, come on, man, you're not hurt. But then he, he proceeds to get the eye drops. Uh, he's squinting. And I think they they got him coming out of the timeout from the bench and him saying, I can't see, bro. Uh, he was he was mouthing those words. And uh, then he says uh, he saw three rims out there, so he shot for the middle one. Uh you made it, LeBron. I'd say, if anything, you should always try to get poked in the eye because you shot that one lights out, looked like a Steph Curry shot, and that propelled the Lakers to get that win last night. Uh, big ball against small ball. 
moving forward, what do the Lakers do? They're gonna they're gonna go with a lot more AD at center because that's what worked down the stretch. Or do we see you know matchup by matchup that Drummond will get time and they go super big? I don't know how much how much time Drummond's going to get. I think when the when the Warriors match that and, and go small, they can spread the floor. I don't think Drummond can guard out on the floor with the guards that they put out there, the ball handlers and playmakers. I think the one thing that the Lakers figured out and they're going to continue to go to is putting Steph Curry in the pick and roll. Now, the Houston Rockets did that a few years back with Chris Paul, with James Harden, but teams have had success putting him in the pick and roll because you don't want him switched onto a guy that's shifty, strong off the bounce, like LeBron is, like Chris Paul, James Harden were, gave him trouble. And so it's a matter of can they rotate, can they hedge, can they show and have that backside line being able to show help but also recover. They, they couldn't do it last night. Caruso uh, grabbed a skip pass from LeBron, um, attacked the basket, dished it to AD, and then on that next play, they – they threw it inside uh, to Caldwell Pope. He drove, got cut off, but then that's when they found LeBron on that kickout. So I think it's going to be tough for the Warriors to make those defensive adjustments. But anytime you can put uh, Steph Curry in a pick and roll, it's going to it's going to reap benefits for the offense. In this case, for the Lakers, I continue to see them keep going to that. Curtis Terry's with us, former UNLV basketball player, and he's uh, helping us break down the NBA playoffs. Can I go back to a couple things with the Warriors real quick? Uh, one, I will criticize Steph. From this standpoint, he had a monster game, but there were a couple of times where he got frustrated on the offensive end and didn't hustle, and it happened late. Like He got stripped by Caruso on a great defensive play. The ball got booted out of bounds, and then Steph's got his head turned, and Caruso passes in, and it creates a mismatch. And I thought that happened a couple of times. And again, he's great, but that team is not good enough to be really having any of their players taking plays off on defense. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Steve. I think especially with that play when late he tries to cross over, Caruso deflects it, it comes back and, and ricochets off Steph's leg and out of balance, and he kind of shakes his head, looks at his hands. Yeah. Uh, but you got to give credit to Caruso for hustling to get the ball out of bounds and get it in because they they attack. And the thing that the, the Warriors don't have the luxury of that they had in the past, they don't have Andre Iguodala. They don't have Sean Livingston. They don't have these guys that are going to make those hustle plays and be able to make make up for your, your lack of size, depth, and, and defensive prowess. Draymond Green is great, but he's not the same in terms of just having that vet savvy like Iguodala, like Sean Livingston, to be able to make sure that everybody else gets back and does their job without having that third superstar for them. It, it showed at times, and that was a big play because even if he doesn't, even if he does turn it over and they get back and they don't give away that run out, it's a different flow of the game for that last minute and a half. Uh, tonight we got action. We've got uh, Wizards and Pacers. It's do or die. Win, you're in. Three and a half point spread. Uh, the Wiz are favored in that one. By the way, the Lakers are favored in that series. Let's go back to your comment. Minus 150 against the Suns. All right, what happens tonight? Do we see Westbrook go crazy? Because he really wasn't very good scoring-wise in the first game of the plan. Yeah, I, I, the, the Pacers came out and they, they looked really good um, in, the, in their first game in that play. And uh, the Wizards, not so much. And you mentioned Westbrook. The, the thing about Westbrook to me is I think he plays so hard every possession, every night out. I think eventually just him wearing people down is, is going to pay off for them. I think that's a situation where they might have an advantage with Karis LeVert being out, going through the health and safety protocols. Uh, but then I think I expect Brad Beal to come out guns blazing and trying to carry this team. And I think their guard play should be able to propel them to get a win. If anything, because Brad Beal is probably tired of not making it to the playoffs after that stretch when they were getting there and, and competing against Isaiah Thomas's Celtics when he had John Wall. Uh, but I think Westbrook wants to prove something as well. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and I think that his relationship with Scott Brooks as the coach from their time in OKC is going to pay off. I like the Wizards to be able to, to sneak this one out and get in. Curtis, let's turn our attention to a little college basketball. Uh, another departure from the UNLV program. Uh, do we have any clue what happened with Nick Blake? I mean, local guy, still ties to the program. 
Figured he's going to stay around, and then out of nowhere, they're parting ways mutually. Yeah, I think there's a lot to try to uncover there from that situation. Uh, obviously, the, the press release uh, coming out from UNLV with, with Coach Kevin Kruger's statement is that they have decided to to mutually agree to part ways. Um, they wish they wish Nick Blake nothing but the best moving forward in his future. Um, and to me, that says that obviously he didn't choose to leave in terms of wanting to transfer, trying to find greener pastures like some of the other guys from last year's roster did. Uh, so it, it, it may be something that was obviously off the court um, or sort of something kind of that just popped up um, over the course of his, his year that he was here at UNLV. Uh, so it's tough to see him go because obviously, like you said, a local guy, Durango High School product, obviously he played uh, for Coach Deshaun Henry, who's now the, the Director of Basketball Operations for the Rebels. Uh, you want to see those local guys succeed. Now, if he can't do it here, best of luck to him because I think the, the kid's got a bright future, but obviously it just wasn't going to work here for whatever reason. So hopefully Nick's able to, to find another landing spot and, con- and to continue his basketball and educational career. So you don't think it's one of these cases where someone – uh, basically recruited him right off the UNLV roster. Like, we're not going to see uh, Nick Blake commit, uh, you know, four days from now? Uh, me personally, I don't think so. Because uh, I think that he would have put his name in the portal. There would have been some discussion or some rumblings about that. I think Nick saw a situation where he was going to have a bright future here at UNLV. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it, it doesn't seem like that's going to work out now. He's not going to be in the cards for them as they move forward after that announcement. Uh, but I think obviously he's going to find a landing spot. But now it comes down to, what are other coaches going to be looking for when they have those conversations to recruit him of why he did leave? Because obviously the press release was very vague. They decided to mutually part ways. So they agreed on it, but the details of, of what actually was that deciding factor, the one that tipped the scale, that's going to be conversations that I expect he's going to have to have with the new schools and coaches that are going to recruit him. Uh, but I'm sure he's going to land somewhere. I don't think it'll be as soon as, as some people may think because he got plucked off this roster. So I want to build on this notion that, players are being just recruited off of rosters. It's it's kind of, you know, it's part of the reality now of the transfer portal, and, you know, I, I guess we have to get used to it. Um, I don't know that I like it. Um, I thought, I again, I have no idea how it went down, but I thought Remy Martin from Arizona State to Kansas, you're like, okay, in May? Well, that's that was a quick development. And, I, and I'm starting to wonder, can you operate – as a college basketball coach and 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 be a good guy like be a nice guy or do you have to do you have to get in the muck because if the if the joneses are doing it you got to keep up with the joneses do you have to start doing some of this stuff to compete curtis and that's a good question because i've been thinking about that for a long time i mean if everybody else is doing it and you're not doing it i mean if you're not cheating you're not trying they used to say right um and i think that one thing that kind of stands out is coach lon kruger obviously i've got a special spot in my heart for him but the success that he has he never bent the rules he was going to do it the right way and he showed that you can have success doing it that way what are those other guys uh, that will let go unnamed that that kind of bent those rules and and towed that line with that gray area but I think in this case with the transfer portal, you even saw that the NCAA made an announcement that they're going to start cracking down on people who are releasing their credentials to log in to view the transfer portal because so much news was coming about about who was going in and who was getting recruited and who was going out. Uh, so I think that's interesting that they, they, they made that point because I think there's a lot of exterior um, – fingers getting poked in there and kind of prodded to see what's going on. Uh, but it, it's almost kind of turning into NBA free agency you know, where, where people are, are kind of start to look early and try to see if, Oh, maybe we can get some tampering that's going on, trying to pluck people, make some early promises. Uh, but, but there's a lot that goes into that. And you mentioned Remy Martin going to Kansas. And I know, I think just yesterday uh, that, that TJ Osselberger, the guy that he, I guess, did not retain or chose not to stay at Iowa state has moved on to Kansas as well. Correct. Uh, so, I mean, Hey, if, if, if guys are leaving Arizona state and, and Iowa, state to go to kansas 
I mean, Bill Self probably sees something that he likes. So I don't know what those other two coaches were thinking, letting those kind of guys just just kind of walk on out. One of Otz's recruits, Arthur Kaluma, decided not to attend UNLV. Uh, his list included Arizona, mm-hmm. Creighton, Syracuse. One of those doesn't belong. Creighton's very good. It's a good program. But, it, well, you know, it's it's I still consider it a, a group of five or whatever. Mid-major school, it's in the Big East. But, you know, I, the Big East to me is not what the Big East used to be. Were you surprised that Kaluma, of all places, lands at Creighton? Yeah, I didn't see him going to Creighton. I, like you said, I thought he'd go to a Power 5 school, uh, go to Big 12, Pac-12, um, SEC, ACC, somewhere like that, just based on the kind of the hype that he got as a top top 50, top 40 guy coming out this year. Uh, but the one thing that does connect the dots there for me is when you see that Ryan Miller leaves TCU, Ryan Miller gets hired at Creighton, Ryan Miller is a great recruiter, then follows suit. Arthur Kaluma makes that connection to go there. Yeah. I mean, I would think without knowing that Ryan Miller had a, had a play in that in terms of recruiting him. Uh, he, he's a fierce recruiter. We know that in terms of his time here on Dave Rice's staff and the guys that he was able to bring into UNLV, uh, Derek Jones Jr., for example. Uh, so I think obviously he's been someone that was that was able to t- tie some to pieces together and if you can get guys to come to vegas you can get guys to go to fort worth to tcu you can get guys to go to creighton and omaha hey man ryan miller's good at what he does uh but i just didn't see that coming um, even though they've had a lot of success over the last couple years curtis terry and cofield and company all right let's close out on this so if i'm correct unlv now has two open slots right i believe so okay i think that's how so the what, what, do you, what do you think position of interest is going to be will it be Will it be more transfers to come in who have experience? Could it be one freshman, someone experienced? Will it be only front court? Do they have enough guards? Yeah, I, I think now with losing Nick, I think obviously he was a guy that could. they played at the one last year. He was a guy you're going to see a lot of time on the wing attacking and slashing. I could see them trying to fill that spot because they've got some guys that can come in. They're going to play some point guard and get some minutes that are still um, underclassmen, got some years to play. I think the front court is pretty loaded right now, unless you're looking to go a stretch four, a guy that can pick and pop um, and give you some mismatches and increase some advantages for you. But I also could see them, maybe they've got their eye on one gem high school recruit out there that they say, we're going to take this guy now, um, let him kind of develop and see where he fits in because we think he's going to have a bright future before he didn't play into our cards. Um, or I could see Kevin kind of sitting on those and keeping them in the back pocket because you never know what can still transpire with graduations just happening. Um, and guys getting that piece of paper that says I'm clear to transfer now, play it right away as a grad transfer um, and the waiver that came out. So I think a lot still to, to kind of be told of what's going to happen, a lot of flexibility. Uh, but I know Kevin's going to play his cards right, if anything, because he's in Vegas. I feel like, like, listen to what you were just saying about freshmen. Like, it's now iffy if you're going to take freshmen. It's, it, what's developed here is so freaking weird that I think we're gonna, on, the, on the regular, I think we're going to have good freshmen slip through the cracks, settle in at mid-major or lower for their first year or two. So there's an opportunity to get there's, – there's got to be people out there who – because oh, you, you have Kansas. It's like, hey, we're just bringing in all-experienced guys. Kentucky now has just turned to the portal. This is – it's so weird. It's so backwards. Yeah, and we even talked about it a couple of weeks back, Steve. I mean, in terms of guys, coaches saying, we're going to take a guy that transferred from if it's a D2 or a D1 that didn't get a lot of minutes, bring him in because he's experienced, he's mature, he knows how to operate uh, and handle his business. We're not going to have to worry about him as opposed to a freshman. Even if you're a blue chip guy, you're not ready right away in prime for whatever sense of the environment that you're going into. So I see some hesitation. But if you have an extra one like kind of Kevin got late in the process, maybe you say there's this one guy we kind of had our eye on. 
we're going to take him now because it kind of fits and makes sense. We have the, we have the bandwidth or maybe they turn and say, maybe there's a guy for next year's class, but high school recruits definitely felt the impact of COVID and people getting an extra year of eligibility. It's tough to be a class of 2021 graduate. Even 2022 is going to feel this moving forward. Those kids are going to have to swallow the pill and some are going to have to go to JUCO. Some are going to have to go to prep school. Some are going to have to go to D2 or just go to D1s and have to sit a little bit because you can't be mad that you've got a, a two-time all uh, big 12 conference player that's transferring in or honorable mention transferring in that's going to play in front of you. Curtis, good job, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Golden Knights game tonight, 6.30, over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Official home for Vegas Golden Knights hockey, 98.9 FM. So make sure you're over there. If you are a hockey hardcore, we're going to be doing a lot of football and baseball here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, They'll be starting up at 4 o'clock with the VGK Insider Show. So we got a lot of NBA to get to. we got another playing game tonight. Are you excited about the game, especially the broadcast possibilities? No, not at all. Why not? Uh, Because apparently they're reuniting Marv Albert and something called Mike Fratello. Yes! Nickname? Of course you know it. You may not know the pieces of equipment. Okay, maybe this is an old reference to the 80s and 90s. Oh, no. You don't know it. Uh, Yes. The czar of the Telestrator. Okay. Marv loves to... Oh, really? Loves doing broadcasts with the czar of the Telestrator, Mike Fratello. Did Mike I get Fratello? that right for the older audience? Maybe I, I know he wrong. was called the czar. You're, you're just looking at me blankly, and I'm like, I, maybe I got that wrong. Well, no, you're, you're right. Like The stuff that I read today, they called him the czar. I did not see the czar of the Telestrator. The czar of the Telestrator. So yes. he, he does a lot of like the Madden, like, boom, and then here, and then this, and then boom, that. Oh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Is the I, Telestrator I, even still a thing? That's why I was thinking you wouldn't know what it was. I know. I, mean, what I it, think it's basically what they use on ESPN all the time, where they're circling stuff on the screen. I don't. I mean, yeah, but like, they do they do it? They don't really do it a lot during games anymore. There's a lot of like, hey, look at our analysts at the big screen. Like watching Dan Orlovsky like operate the big touch screen really quick, like during Sports Center. Yeah. It is pretty cool to see what he does. But I, like, I can't remember like a Madden esque. Like, well, you know what comes back to me is the old, really old SNL skit. With the popcorn machine, and John Madden's like, boom, you put the seeds over here, and then you burn your hands over here. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what. <laughs> Angel, <laughs> Angel our remote tech's cracking up. Like, but I don't remember, like, you know, I watch a lot of sports. That doesn't really stick out to me. I don't think it's a thing anymore. I hate going down this path with you because you have such. You have this ongoing battle with our boomer listeners. It's not, it's not a battle. We're winning. Fratello 74, Marv's 80. It's going to be awful. I don't know if it will. Is is, is Marv that bad now? <laughs> yes. Why? So he consistently, he consistently does not know where the shots are coming from. He will call an elbow jumper a three, and then five seconds later go, looks like they're changing it to a two. I'm like, no, Marv. I, just, I feel like. They're not changing it. Uh, they called. I well, think he's trying to make up for it. He can't see. He called Marcus Smart, Aaron Neesmith, and, and Kemba Walker like three times during the game the other day. <laughs> He's no idea what's going on. Hey, all right, do me a favor. I'm going to set this up in a second. Uh, can you see if you can find our – we had a Bryson Stott rejoin in the last couple of days. 
when we uh, we had Willie Ramirez. I'm going to play that in a second. It doesn't. If you want to chop chop it down to the the call, you can. But I will not stand for you or stand by as you denigrate the great Marv Albert. You have to stop doing this. He bites. He's influenced many, many people around the broadcast business, including his son. Kenny's a very good announcer. That's his son? Oh, you didn't know that? No, I they, just assumed they had the last name. Really? There's a whole Albert announcing crew. Yeah, of course. Ugh. There's Al and Steve Albert, too. Brothers. Nightmares. And they've all kind of, you know, Marv and Kenny sound very much alike. Even in the, by the way, even in the awful announcing article I sent you, the ending line is, both have lost their fastball, but this is good for nostalgia's sake. And it's like, okay, I guess. They won't know what's going on, but that's fine. Marv reared a lot of announcers who kind of have that that nasally delivery. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for going with me. How does three. That, how does that go? Uh, I noticed this on the Jersey Shore Blue Claw, uh, Blue Claw call. Bryson Stott's playing on the Jersey Shore. Okay. And um, maybe I'm off on this. This was the baseball announcer there. I don't know his name. Staring down the throat of Bryson Stott, who swings and belts it high and deep to right field. Meese is going back to the track, to the wall, and it Ooh. is gone. On to the berm. Bryson Stott building his fourth Blue Claws home run. You know what's funny about that? I actually, now that I hear it again, I actually do know who that is. So he's actually, that guy's actually in his late 60s. I assumed it was a guy who sounded like he was in his late 60s, like Marv, but was like 22 years old doing a Marv. Yeah. It sounded like Marv. No. He he's, a, his... he's actually, that guy, I think if I'm correct, he's a local newspaper guy from back when like, I worked in you know, a little bit in newspapers 28 years ago. What's the prospect's name? Bryson Stott. He's from here, UNLV. Bryson Stott. Well, what did he call him? Bryson Stott. So, true Marv Albert form. There we go. <laughs> Bryson Stott. <laughs> Bryson Stott. <laughs> he's influenced many. He actually. Clearly. He, he had a bad run in, you know. Borderline criminal, I guess the thing that's yes. been expunged. Yeah. But because I, I was just going to be like, he's a great guy, uh, like you know, mixed legacy. But the way, in the in the broadcast space, he's 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 very well regarded because he's been a mentor to many people. So, and, if you, and I and I I get it. Like I kind of feel, I don't want to do this. I I think there's a certain point at the highest level where people have to step in and go, Marv. It's just, it's not, it's not up to you. I'm telling you, it's not up to your standards, you know? The last three years have not been up to your standards. Like, I feel like ESPN has needed to tell Lee Corso, Lee, it was great, but you got to stop. Right. But it's hard to do that. At some point, point you got to stop an athlete from, you know what I mean? Just like, just like you got to stop an athlete. (laughs) You know, somebody I believe should tell Cowboy Cerrone, it's it's done, it's over, stop fighting. Somebody's got to tell Marv, like, stop it. Uh, Ari and I had a a talk on Monday. Ari walked up to me. He's like, Steve, it's time to stop. That show, it's time to stop. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up.